From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three. Red smoking hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop. Steps up. Looks. Swatted down. Set. Down he goes. Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base. Slides into the dogs and won it. And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. <laughs> They're all here inside the Press Box. Welcome to the Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace. What you're about to hear is just a slice of our Press Box radio show. Heard on great stations across Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. The show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. Today's guest, Mike Morgan, play-by-play man for ESPN and the SEC Network. We spoke to him following a weekend in Jacksonville, Alabama, where he was there to call the Jacksonville State FCS playoff game a big win over Davidson. But uh, he's been a busy guy, done a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball. He told us all about it when Mike Morgan joined us inside the press box. Man, I'm just like you. I'm uh, getting through the the grind here of the spring. Um, I guess the only thing that'd be a little bit different, I I mixed in a couple of football games. I had the Mississippi State spring game, which uh, we actually were not there as uh, as much as the case with COVID, was in Jacksonville, Alabama this past weekend for the Gamecocks versus Davidson uh, first round matchup <clears throat> in the FCS playoffs. So that was just gr- that was just great to be there. It's Cole Kublik and I, yeah. and uh, it's the first time I've been on site for a game since I believe January. Hey, tell me, because I haven't been. I've, I've spent a lot of time on Jacksonville's campus over the years. But I have not seen the football stadium since they redid it. Tell me about yeah. it. What do you think? It's oh it's beautiful. Um I mean I'm I shouldn't be surprised by now, right? Like if it's like if you go to a high school football stadium in Texas, you you know it's it's gonna be immaculate and you just kind of scratch your head and you say, how do they do it at this level? Uh same thing with Jacksonville State. I mean, we were on the other side of all those suites there's got to be like 30 of them i mean yeah. it looks like an sec school I'll, I'll tell you right now it's better than vanderbilt uh, it, it's oh yeah it's 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 and it's i mean it can compete obviously they're not going to get the raw numbers you know you're not going to get 80 90 000 for a an fcs game but if you just do it by scale it's it's a really nice stadium uh, they've done a terrific job you know, I got a chance to to be in the community for a couple of days. You you know the town better than I do. It's got that unique charm. It's it's kind of like a Starkville, right? I mean, it, it's, it's it's small and it's town. quaint, and you've got some nice barbecue and uh and they love they love their football. Of course, you got a lot of fans there that are fans of both the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State. I got to keep clarifying that, 
and and the Crimson Tide. You know, it, as as we were talking, it wouldn't it be great if we had spring football? And you know, if you're an Alabama fan, you're not going to be able to sit there and openly root for a Jacksonville State during the fall. But if it's if they have their football season during the spring, that could be kind of like your adopted program for that time of the year. And you could actually, uh, you know, give give some maybe time and interest to it. Um, I, I think what we've what we've learned out of covid, obviously, the overwhelming majority of it is negative. But you've been forced to try different things in the sports world and on the sports calendar. And I get it. It's cold for the northern schools in January, February. But you know what? It's pretty cold there in November, December. Uh, and the cold ones, most of them have indoor practice facilities. I think spring football would be outstanding. Uh, and it would give those schools a window of time and exposure. And there'd be a TV network that would write a big fat check for the FCS package that would run during the spring when we're all craving football. So just, just an FYI, we were able to get into this stuff, Chris, during the second half because it was 42 oh, yeah. to seven at the time. <laughs> yeah. It became a talk show and there's, there's nobody better than, than Cole to have uh, for you, <laughs> for you on that. That was pretty good. Yeah. 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 Well, you, and you know, uh, you and I have dabbled in the, the sports talk world. I, I did it for 15 years. So for me, and I always tell young announcers, that's the best practice for baseball, right? Because right. I'm sure as you were doing, uh, were you doing the Kentucky doubleheader uh, yesterday? <laughs> I was not solo, but I thankfully had Roger with me. But yes, okay. Yes, I was there well, so for that. yeah, I mean, you know how it is when you've got, I guess, one of those games was like 10 to nothing or whatever. That is when you really are in talk show mode. It's less about yeah. the 1 1 pitch just missing the outside corner. Uh, in a 10 nothing game in the sixth inning. And it's more about uh, other things that you can grasp onto. And that's kind of what the fourth quarter turned into for us. But luckily, yeah, you got, you had two guys who were not short on ideas or opinions, whether they were right or wrong. We still had them in our back pocket. Mike Morgan, our guest inside the press box, Mike, it's uh, JD down in mobile. I don't, I was trying to do time frame and, connect some dots on the show today were were you on the call south carolina baseball the national championship when mark calby was the pitching coach i was not so but i know mark very well in fact mark is a really good friend my last year of doing carolina baseball was 09 so it was timed out perfectly that i could uh, miss the two national championships <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but no i uh obviously had a had a chance to call um a few world series before that and i got to call see mark calvey took over for jerry myers uh, probably somewhere around, I don't know, 2006, 2007. And, and I always was a big fan of Mark. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the problem for Mark when he was there was that, uh, the, the, the fans just had gotten so brutal that anytime something went wrong, they blamed Mark Calvi he'll, and he'll tell you that, um, he inherited, there was a time where they had the Kip Balk nights and the, the Bowers and some really good pitchers in the early 2000s. Well, that, that well dried up a little bit when Mark took over. He did not inherit those kind of arms. So the it, it was in the ultimate of ironies that the guy that they would blame, you know, if, if they got a parking ticket, it was Mark Calvi's fault. 
Uh, Mark Calvi was the pitching coach in 2010 when they won that national championship before he wound up departing for Mobile to take on the USA job. We had him on the program uh, actually just before we brought you on. He was talking about he, he you may uh, find it fun to know that he picked up win number three hundred here at South Alabama, oh, sweeping Georgia. Yeah, I thought that may be kind of cool. But uh, FCS kind of back on that topic. I know we're seesawing back and forth football, baseball. Uh, I, I love that idea that you you broached there about some spring FCS. I know on one hand, uh, FCS depends on some paycheck games on the FBS side. Um, you know, and, and FBS schools like to have some of those uh, key wins that aren't FBS. But in the grand right. scheme of things, I'm thinking about that while you were saying it. And, I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people understand, but when a power five pays a group of five to come in, it's sometimes a million dollars a game. But when an mm-hmm. FCS comes in, it could be two fifty to 300000 I, I don't right. know if that really kills an FCS budget on two hundred and fifty three hundred, and it may very well work to do that in the spring well that's a great point uh you you get with the fcs discount people want to know why certain schools play fcs uh sometimes it is a matter of of dollars and cents and and, you know they pay half of what they would pay a bowling green uh to make a trip down there and of course typically although you could ask ole miss this in 2010 or you could ask uh, auburn this a few years ago when jacksonville state almost beat them uh, there, there's no gimme when you play some of these powerful FCS schools. Like, I, I think the, the the mistake that a lot of common fans make is that, well, all FCS programs are built the same, and you know we're in the SEC, ACC, whatever. We should be able to beat them by 50 points. That that might be the case when you play Western Carolina. It's not the case when you play Jacksonville State. North Dakota State, James Madison, Richmond, all these programs have upset FBS schools in recent times. It's, it's just not that big a surprise anymore. Um, so what I think you're seeing, I think you're seeing for a number of reasons, you mentioned one of them, but also if you're a program that has more money than God, uh, you might be better off just scheduling that MAC team than the FCS, that the FCS powerhouse, because those FCS powerhouses could take the bad FBS team to the woodshed uh, more often than not. I mean, I'd, I'd rather play Kansas in football than I would North Dakota State when they're at their peak. Yeah, that's just, that's just the way it is right now. But, you know, one other thing on that, that's why I brought up the TV package, because I believe whether it's ESPN or Fox, that net, that network would offer enough money that it, it would it, it would make up for whatever you lose in getting that one payout game. And and Cole even said something. This might be a little bit far fetched, but I like the idea in theory. If you if those if you had spring football for the FCS schools, and then their spring football was in the fall, you could have it where when they wrap up the fall, rather than have a spring game, and we know those kind of are what they are you could have that FCS program play one actual game against an FBS team or whoever they decide to schedule. And that would culminate their fall practice. I mean, I love that idea. I know logistically there's always some complications for something like that. Uh, but, but that would solve the, the, the issue on both ends, both financially uh, and, and in every other facet of it. So there are ways to do it. Here, here's the thing that I've learned. Because I, I, every now and then, um, 
In fact, I'm on with these guys later today. <clears throat> I fill in with uh, New Heisel on Sirius XM. And when I brought it up to him, he immediately shoots it down and says that the northern schools will never go for it. I'm like, well, I think there's plenty of southern schools that will. And so it, doesn't it sound like the same thing we were talking about during COVID? Like geographically speaking, there's a lot of schools in one part of the country that would do it and would see the positives of it. And then there's in the other part of the country, they'd be like, no way, no how, not doing it. Football belongs in the fall, and it's too damn cold up here to be practicing in January, February, what have you. So uh, that's where I think it, it dies on the vine, unfortunately. I, I don't think you're going to be able to get a, a consensus. So uh, it, it's great to talk about, and I love it as a one-off, and I wish we could have more of it, but I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. Mike Morgan, ESPN, SEC Network, joining us. How bad is it in Baton Rouge when the Tigers win a series, but they're sitting at 6-12 and 12 in baseball, and that ain't their biggest concern? You know, I, I tell you, I, I work a lot with Todd Walker, and, and um, he kind of just shakes his head. You know, those, you know, the Todd Walkers, the Ben McDonald's of the world, they're, they're just they're trying to figure out how did we get to this point. I've had LSU multiple times this year. That is not a team lacking talent. I mean, they're, they're right. just not like Landon Marceau could be a first round draft pick. He's as good as any um, number one. That's, that's not named Kamar rocker, perhaps, um, the, you know, he, they, they've got bats. They're just young. I mean, that, that starting lineup, six of the nine, I believe are freshmen and sophomores. And obviously the bullpen tanked it on the final day. Otherwise we'd be talking about LSU sweeping Ole Miss and, don't look now, but another second half run by Paul Maneri's gang. But it just goes to show you the league is so stacked. And I know people get tired of hearing it. Even SEC fans probably get tired of hearing it. But it's just true. And, and this year, it's not about the quantity, guys. Like the SEC's had 10 teams go to the, the, the tournament before. And they're going to have probably nine this year is what I'm guessing. It's the quality. It's the, the you look at those top five, and Chris, you and I have been doing SEC baseball a long time. I don't know if we've ever had a top five out of this league better than we've had. So whether it's nine bids, eight bids, ten bids, okay, fine. I don't judge this being the the best year of SEC baseball on that. I base it on what what does it look like when you break that field of, of postseason teams down and you look at that upper half. And it's insanely talented, just yeah. insanely first round draft picks all over the place. Teams that are going to be hosting super regionals, teams that are certainly good enough and have the depth on the pitching staff to, to win the whole enchilada. That is what this year to me is unique about the SEC and just how good it is. Mike Morgan in the press box with us. Last question. And I ask you to educate me live on the air as we go. I don't know the answer to this uh chris jump in as well when do we know the predetermined ncaa regional sites at what point is it before conference tournaments every these teams have had to bid ncaa's in consideration where they'll go i've been kind of curious when we find out where those cities will be i i believe and chris you can correct me if i'm wrong i, I thought the way it was initially announced it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of may 15th um in in the the significance of that is if you're one of these teams i would have said lsu um <laughs> but if you're one of these teams that did not start off very well 
but then you had an incredible surge late. And those last couple weekends are the difference between you hosting a regional and not hosting a regional. Well, now you, you can't be one of those teams because the decision is already have been the decision, excuse me, the decision would, will have been made, uh, up two weeks prematurely. So you, you can't be one of these teams that just has this inc- incredibly red hot finish late and wind up hosting that way. You really need to be a team that was already good, you know, yeah. come May 1st, because at that point it's almost too late to make that kind of run. So, uh, I, I think people are getting too caught up in the bid, the bid, the bid. Look, th- there's been bidding that's gone on in this process for years, uh, SEC schools and ACC schools for that matter. Uh, if, if they have a, a season where they're in the top 10, they're not going to lose out on hosting because they didn't bid enough money. That That's not going to be the issue. The bigger issue is going to be what states have what rules regarding COVID, and that's really what this is all about. It, it's another COVID deal. And uh, again, the way Mississippi runs things, where you've got full crowds, uh, no issues whatsoever, and we already know they're going to limit it to 50%, by the way, for, for regionals and supers. That's been announced recently. Uh, but the way the state of Mississippi runs things could be the, much differently than the way the state of Michigan uh, runs things. Yeah. So from, th- from that standpoint, um, it, it, there's never been more external factors going into who gets to host and who doesn't. Play-by-play man for ESPN and the SEC Network. That's Mike Morgan, our guest inside the press box. Catch our daily show weekdays on great stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. And, of course, we always would love to hear from you. Email us at PressBoxRadio1 at gmail.com. Again, PressBoxRadio, the number one, at gmail.com. For Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us here on the PressBox Podcast.